welcome to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host for today. This is a special occasion podcast because it's our 100th episode, and we are thrilled to be interviewing. Claire Shipman, best-selling author and speaker and former network reporter for ABC, NBC, and CNN. Claire is the co-author, along with Caddy Kay, of three books, The Confidence Code, The Confidence Code for Girls, and Womenomics. Today, we're going to focus primarily on confidence-building strategies for relaunchers. Claire, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Carol, thanks for having me and on this special show. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, well, we're so thrilled to have you as our guest for our 100th episode. So I, this topic of confidence is so important for relaunchers because almost to a person, relaunchers experience a lack of confidence, even if they were senior or high performers before they took their career break. And we often think about this in in terms of having a diminished sense of self um, resulting from feeling professionally disconnected over time, especially if your career break is related to some sort of a caregiving role. I I remember feeling this myself. Uh, So can you just talk about some of the origins of what leads to a lack of confidence, uh, whoever you are, career break or, or no career break? Well, what we found in our research about confidence, and it and it is really interesting, is confidence has a lot to do with um, risk and action and, and experience. So confidence isn't really something that you necessarily are going to just um, have. It's not self-esteem, right? It's not just, I feel great about myself, therefore I'm always really going to feel great. Or I've, it, it really is, it's an experiential uh, quality that you have to build. And so we build confidence over the course of our lives when we do things and when we try things. But the, the trick is you build confidence when you do things that are hard, that involve risk and usually some failure. And so when you're in a career, you you tend to naturally stretch yourself a bit and build, build that confidence. And when you step away from any act, activity over time, it's really natural. You you, you're not as familiar with it. You're not taking risks in that environment anymore. And so it, it seems inherently even more risky and something you're less familiar with. And so I, I think the first thing for everybody to remember when you've stepped away from a career for a time is it's natural to feel that way. I mean, I, I feel that way when I've, I've written three books now, I'm contemplating an, another one, and I always end up <laughs> having the feeling of, I don't think I can do this again. What qualifies me to do this? I haven't done, you know, you, it's it's a very natural um, feeling to have. And it's so interesting how you talk about this in terms of, um, it, it's not necessarily something you're born with, but, but you're saying it's different from self-esteem. There's this experiential quality to it. And because, when you're on career break, naturally you are apart a from, and you're, you're not having that experiential quality um, as it relates to your career, you're having other experiences. So this is such an interesting explanation and it makes a lot of sense as to why uh, some of us, many of us who are on extended career breaks do feel um, uh, less confident over time. So 
that's that's really eye opening. I I think the other thing I just wanted to add to that is it's um you, you know the the other piece of that is it's it's especially important to as you start to look at relaunching to understand that um, the experience you've had whatever you've been doing while you've been on a career break is probably incredibly valuable and and helpful to whatever you want to move back to right so to some extent it's a natural feeling to have that you you know you've been out of the mix for a while you don't feel as confident but then there's also i think something we can do is sort of readjust the the lens and help ourselves understand that actually the other stuff we've been doing is, has probably broadened us in a way that will be really useful as well it's totally true. I mean, if you just think about yourself at, let's say, age 29 versus age 42 um, and how more, much more self-aware you might be or grounded and you have a more mature perspective, these are definitely qualities that relaunchers bring to the workplace that are huge attributes. So it's, it reflects what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so Claire, I know you have your, your latest book is out on, um, the confidence code for girls. And I have not read that book yet. <laughs> and I'm guessing that some of the advice you give there is it's better if you start early and you work with girls to, to maybe put them in a position where they are building their confidence or, or will build it over a period of time. But for our audience, of course, we're already grown and fully formed adults. And I'm just wondering how you would address confidence building for an audience like ours, where um, people are doing this in the context of returning to the workforce and probably in their 40s and 50s. Well, the good news is, you know, we, we focused on girls because there's really interesting data that shows for girls right at puberty that they suffer a pretty extreme confidence drop, right? Girls and boys go along having similar confidence until about age eight or nine. And then the confidence for girls plummets for four to five years. And really, actually, it, it doesn't recover until we're well, well, well into adulthood. And partly what happens is that girls are, um, the, all of the uh, um, sort of EQ ability, uh, the emotional factor and the, uh, the stuff that lets us ruminate and overthink, that all kicks in right at puberty. So, so this is another thing to keep in mind too, is that you know thinking can be the enemy of confidence, too much thinking, right? Overthinking, <laughs> ruminating. Mm -hmm. So so that's why we targeted girls. But I will say this for our adult audience, it is definitely not the case that it's harder to build confidence uh, for us as adults than it is for, for kids. I mean, it's great to start early because if we can help girls avoid that drop, that's terrific. But there's a very specific moment where we're just trying to educate girls about what's happening, right? And saying, mm -hmm. don't hold back, keep, keep taking risks, don't, you know, really help help them through that period. But in fact, as you mentioned, I mean, all of us who are looking at relaunching or doing something different, we've, we have built a lot of life experience. <laughs> so we do have some wisdom that just needs to be sort of unearthed and dusted off, I think. And so I think that the key thing for, for this sort of age range that's more mature, uh, if you will, and I've experienced this myself, is, is really 
two things, right? It's starting to understand, and these are the things that help with confidence, starting to be aware of the messages we're telling ourselves inside, right? So there's a brain, there's a thinking component, and then it's being aware of, are we willing to take risks? And are we pushing ourselves to take risks? And it's our relationship with risk-taking and our willingness to endure some failure. And those are the two things that ultimately will allow us to kickstart our confidence. I mean, the, the, the brain piece of it is really important because when we're overthinking and ruminating and caught in a negative cycle, like I'm, I, you know, I knew somebody was going to email me back a no, or I, I am never going to get back to work. I'm a fail. You know, any of that sort of catastrophic thinking, the sort of jumping to conclusions. When you go in that cycle for too long, you really inhibit your ability to take chances and take risks. Um, and and really, what we found the formula for for confidence building is very simple. It's just, you know, taking risks, having some failures, and continuing down that path having those experiences that involve some struggle. That's what builds up our confidence in the long run. So if we continue to play it safe or avoid, we're never going to build more confidence. Yeah, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the experiences of relaunchers, especially right now in a quote, full employment economy, um, or, you know, it really reflects the experiences of of most people who are looking for jobs, career breaks or no career breaks, that, you, you know, to get um, rejection over and over and have that negative self-talk cycle start going, um, it, it's really easy to fall into that in this kind of economy where it looks like everyone else has a job. So why don't you have one too, you know? So I, I'm glad that you are bringing this up. Um, it just makes me wonder if, when relaunchers are in a job search to frame it as, you know, I'm going to go for this, this job opportunity right now and do everything that I can, but I know there's a possibility that I'm not going to get it. And, um, and that may feel like a failure in my eyes, but it's also going to be a learning experience. I'll be that much further ahead for the next one. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, because I, I was thinking about the difference between the way men and women might approach a, a relaunch situation. And I think, you know there, and I speak in uh, in generalities because it not because everybody's all men act one way, all women act another way. Of course, we're all on a spectrum, but there tend to be some um, differences. And I think for men at a mid career, it's well. Well, let me just say, you know, men and women both feel a lack of confidence, right? Men and women mm -hmm. will both feel a sense of fear at taking something that they perceive to be a risk. What mm -hmm. we found is that men and women often react in a different way to that. Men will often recognize the fear and their response will be to act anyway, right? To jump in a sort of like, damn the consequences, if you will, and I'm just going to do it. And women will uh, tend to hold back. And so that that over time can add up to you know, a lack of a lack of action means a lack of risky experiences, and therefore a lack of confidence building. And men and boys often learn more naturally that that they can just do things, right? Mm -hmm. And it, and it's okay. But I think when you're looking at a, you know, coming back from a career transition or a career break for men, you also have that societal component of 
you know, how much career matters, right? There's just a completely different framing often for men still today in terms of career, career break, that what is a, what is a career or a job in a man's life? And, they, you know, they're often afforded less flexibility in terms of the judgment there. And mm-hmm. so I think that can make the stakes for this mid-career situation or an, uh, a relaunching sort of equally intimidating, Right. Whereas they, it might not be at the start of a career. I think it can be similar. And so I, I think it's it's really important to be ready to fail and to understand that failure. I mean, this is one of the things we talk about in the confidence code is just fit, you know, try to embrace that Silicon Valley you know, chestnut fail fast and understand mm-hmm. that some failure is part of success. And it is it's really hard to do if you're a perfectionist or you're used to constant success and it's it's really hard and you ha- have to understand if you're not doing a little bit of failing you're you're actually not you're not succeeding at all and i think that's got to be the starting place for this moment in your life mhm yeah absolutely um we uh, you know men we've had men of, of course on who have taken career breaks for all different reasons, but the ones who have taken career breaks for childcare reasons have talked to us about how they are perceived differently by different employers. And sometimes they'll say, wow, I could tell that that person was really uncomfortable with the idea that I was a stay-at-home dad. And I had to decide that maybe that wasn't the best working environment for me. And I had to keep having conversations until I was talking to people at employers who really got me. So you're, you're hitting on something that that's definitely um, a unique uh, situation for men, but something that we think is, is changing. Um, and it's also relevant for women in the broader sense. Um, Claire, I remember when the confidence code came out, I don't know if it's right before uh, or right at the same time, you and Caddy K wrote a famous article in the, in the Atlantic um, uh, that, either excerpted the confidence code or, or, you know, it was an article uh, about the content. And uh, there was a discussion in there about confidence versus competence. Um, Can you talk about that, how they're linked um, and do they build on each other? And, and you know, do you, if you're competent, does that automatically mean that you're confident or what happens? It's so interesting. Well, what we found was there was a professor out in Berkeley doing a really interesting study about sort of confidence versus competence, which is more important. And of course, Caddy and I thought, because we're women, well, duh, it's competence, right? Who, of course, we have to be competent. Well, no. Turns out he was finding that in terms of workplace success, confidence often has the edge, which was shocking to us, right? Because I think what we realized then and the more we dug was women, as women often really value competence, right? Because especially when women who are perfectionistic and focused on detail and we, you know, and and this is something we get into in the Confidence Code for Girls too. And one reason why we wrote it, right? The school system we all go through rewards that, right? Dotting every I, crossing every T, A's on papers, this is what matters. Then you get in the real world, it's like, oh, no, not so much actually. It's your ability to take risks, fail, do things that nobody ever talked to you about for 22 years, uh, especially as a girl. So it's uh, understanding, I think it's very important to understand that confidence is actually an important skill to have in the workplace. Now, we're not talking about 
bravado or false confidence, right? Because this professor was studying that too. We can, it turns out, we don't even know we can, but we can sniff out fakes. So it's, but it's a real sense of, I can make things work, right? That I can do something and, you know, even if I fail, I'm going to, to keep going. And, and I think what we started to understand too is we need to, um, we need to sometimes cultivate that over perfection, right? Competence, of course, is important. And you, in every career will be different. In some careers, you really, you really can't make mistakes, right? I mean, you're a hell, you really want a competent helicopter pilot. You really want, I mean, there are some places where you do not want error. But there are also, as we all know, times, I think we've all done this in our careers where, you know, I, I would stay up all night working on a piece for Good Morning America, making sure I would get every little thing just right. And did it matter? Maybe one time out of 400. And maybe the other times I was driving the entire team crazy by keeping them up all night, right? And, and then I couldn't do a piece the next day because I was so burned out. And so it's really about saying what, there's a balance, right? And we have to be able to, to do things that are going to be increasing our confidence. And that necessarily often means um, being willing to be less than perfect. So is that one of the strategies? Well, it's certainly a strategy for, for me. So when, when, we, when we talk about um, being willing to take risks and fail, I think the important thing to understand is risk-taking will look different for everybody, right? It depends on who you are. I mean, and what's risky to you? Some, for some people, it's speaking up in a meeting. For some people, it's, it's doing things less than perfectly, right? For mm-hmm. some people, we've talked to lawyers. One lawyer who's a, a partner in a firm said she struggled so with decision-making and it would just jam up her days and her entire operation because she felt every decision she made had to be perfect. And she finally had to set a rule for herself that nine out of 10 decisions I make will be good and 10% are just going to be, they're going to be wrong and I'll deal with the consequences. So it was almost giving herself a mental crutch to just move through things knowing she wasn't going to get everything right. So I think you have to figure out. So for some people that is indeed a risk, you know, the, the thing that you need to focus on. And for others, maybe not so much. It just depends on where you need to be pushing, um, you know, out of your, to get out of your comfort zone. You know, what you're saying here is so important about defining what's risky for people and the idea that a definition of risk could be that I am going to venture out into the world with like a 90% rule that everything, that things are not going to be a hundred percent perfect all the time. And for me, that represents huge risk where other people might be thinking, well, I define risk as something totally different, like, you know, some physical feat or something like that. Yeah. I I think it's been really, I I mean, it's been so helpful (laughs) for me personally, because I, I used to agonize over every email I would send or a request or, you know, writing somebody that had seemed to me to be slightly confrontational. And I would procrastinate because I thought it had to be. And now I I literally just have to, I make a point of saying, nope, it's good enough. I'm going to send it. 
you know, I'm not even going to double. And if, if, even if I made a mistake, great. Cause I know I won't, it might take me another day if I don't just press send. And so, but I, but I think that's just my issue, right? Everybody has the areas where they need to kind of push themselves to be a little bit more, more brave. And especially when you're relaunching, it's recognizing that you will have some, some vulnerabilities. And so how are you? I mean, the other thing when you say competence versus confidence that I think is so important is something I relaunched us so well, right? So of course you can't just create confidence out of whole cloth, right? It is scary to do something entirely new. It is. And to feel that you're out of practice. And I think, you know, you, this is why we talk about it in the book too. You, you start small, you start in little pieces. You don't dive into something with, you know, that's terrifying and try to do it all at once. And I think whether it's, um, you know, doing a lot of reading, just so you master one little corner of what you want to master, right? And that starts to make you feel you're on stable ground again. Or maybe it is the internship process that you all do so well. Maybe it's making five phone calls to people that are a little scary, but you're going to learn something. So you start to get reacquainted. I mean, I know I feel that way. I mean, I feel terrified about a, a new book project until I can, you know, do a, read one article and then one more and start to think it's going to be okay. Right. I can, I can get there, but I think mastering a little corner and then the next little corner, that's what it'll, it will seem frightening and that's okay. You tell yourself it's normal, but then you, you make progress that way bit by bit. Yes, this whole concept of taking baby steps that you're you're describing, um, you know, a, a perfect example is if you can uh, teach a single course at a local college on on a topic that you know well, or that forces you to become a subject matter expert all over again on a topic you used to know, but and and now you have to get up to speed again to teach it. That is like, that's a baby step. It's it, these adjunct uh, lecturer positions are renewed on a semester by semester basis. They usually don't pay that much, but they're a great way to step back into the work world um, on terms that work with your schedule initially and force you to become a subject matter expert all over again in your field. So well, that's, that's a great idea, actually. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like an internship in a way, um, <laughs> if you think about an adjunct lecturer role. I mean, the, the other thing that I, this ha really doesn't have a lot to do with confidence building in terms of what we write about in our book, but I just an observation from the workplace, because Caddy and I do a lot of speaking to corporations about women and leadership. And so, you know, we get a feel in a lot of different industries for what's going on. I, I do really think that everybody who's taken a career break really needs to understand right now that, you know, what they have probably done in their career break really is as valuable to the employer as what they would have been doing in a job. And, and I think there's just a there's an increasing awareness in, in, you know, among maybe more enlightened companies, right? Not every company is like this, but that we need broad thinkers these days and people making broad connections and people who can literally manage. I mean, honestly, if, if you have been involved in childcare, you are fully ready 
to manage at a high level in a corporation, right? There is almost nobody, I've talked to senior managers about this. I mean, they recognize that the skills, these soft skills that are required for this, the kind of this new term, I don't know if you've seen a lot of the research on it, but the emotional labor that actually has to happen at work as well these days, it's invaluable. Not enough people have it. So, you know, do, do you go in there touting it, guns blazing? Maybe not, but you should certainly feel that that is a, a skill that is in fact really, really valuable. I mean, I, I so I would say don't, you know, if you can try to not um, immediately say to yourself, one of those, you know, negative brain spins, I'm never going to get a job. I haven't done anything in 10 years of value. That That's just absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire, I just want to circle back to something that you had said earlier about being able to sniff out the fake confidence, because one of the uh, strategies that relaunchers have talked to us about, and this was even something that was put forth in the 90s by um, a one of the most senior women in entertainment, Dawn Steele, um, who, who wrote a book, uh, and she said, she talked about projecting more confidence than you actually feel because it's kind of like a performance initially, but the good thing about it is ultimately your real confidence level catches up to what you're projecting and then it becomes one and the same. And and we've heard relaunchers say, you know, I was a little worried that I'd get found out because I was projecting more confidence that I had initially, but ultimately I built up real confidence to match that. So curious about your thoughts on this um, fake it till you become it concept that I know that is now um, talked about by Amy Cuddy. Any a- any thoughts about it? You know, it's interesting. We we did look at that in our research, and I think it's I, I think it it works, um, but I think we would recast it in terms of the way it works best especially maybe for women, because, because there is this, um, the only problem with sort of mentally saying, fake it till you make it, or I'm faking it, I'm going to do something I'm not, um, is that we already tend to feel like frauds all the time. And so mm-hmm. we, it's kind of doubling down on that concept, which makes us think about being a fraud even more. And and so I think even, but, but here's the, the hitch, and this is what Don was talking about, in order to start building confidence, you have to start somewhere. You have to take the, that first risk, right? You have to do the first. So how do you jump off the cliff? You need a crutch. And so I think at least recognizing I'm afraid and that's normal, right? Understanding fear doesn't mean you're a failure, that's a normal feeling to have when you're about to do something you haven't done before. So you own it. And then you say, I- I'm going to act in spite of it. A-, a young girl gave us this phrase, which we really like, which is do it afraid. I just do it afraid. I see mm-hmm. that I'm afraid I'm going to do it anyway. And mm-hmm. so I think to some extent, yes, you know, understand that it's normal to be nervous and then just go do it. And, and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, you learn from it and move on. So for us, the key is you, you have to do it, right? And so whether you can fake it and say, this is who I want to be, that might work for some people. If it doesn't feel as comfortable, understanding that there is normal and you're going to use that to, to act instead of hesitate. 
Mm-hmm. And can you talk to us about some of the other active strategies that you recommend to people to build confidence? Yes. I mean, I think the other thing that's important, as I mentioned, is kind of recognizing what's going on in our heads. And that understanding fear as normal is part of it. You know, we talk about ruminate, um, don't ruminate, rewire. And so I think part of that is recognizing when are you um, letting your head spin with a lot of negative thoughts. You know, we talked to one expert who was very funny. She's a neuroscientist, extremely um, successful. She realized she was creating a mental habit for herself every day headed home. She'd create a mental list of what she did wrong that day. And she's a neuroscientist. She finally realized, oh, I think I'm actually rewiring my brain in a really negative way, right? To go Mm -hmm. over, here's everything I did wrong. So she set a new goal with three things that she had done well or achieved or things that she thought she had wanted to do and and gotten done. So I think starting to recognize what is the story telling yourself in your head and can you switch it? And I think especially when you have something, you didn't get an email back. Um, somebody told you no, somebody says, I can't talk next month, or I'm not sure. You know, instead of when you start to see that you're telling yourself, I see this happen, I knew I was a failure, or see, this is going to be a disaster, whatever thing that's taking over your head. There's a lot of great research that shows if you can think of one alternative explanation for that, like one different way of interpreting it, you'll get out of that negative loop. So maybe it's, well, you know, I knew this I knew that I'd have to do five calls. Um, I knew this position wasn't quite going to be right. Maybe it will work out next year. Even if the research shows, even if your explanation isn't realistic, it doesn't matter. It gets you out of that negative brain loop. So I think that's, that's really essential is starting to recognize the negatories you're telling yourself and to try to flip them. Some people literally keep a list of accomplishments on their desk, right? That you try to update small so that as you start to get into that zone, you have it and you can look at it. Um, The other advice that we think is incredibly helpful for building confidence, and it's actually another crutch in in a way quite similar to the fake it till you make it. And we call it from me to we. Um, And it's essentially the understanding that people are often motivated more to take risks. They're doing something on behalf of other people. When the focus is off of ourselves, it's easier to say, I'm going to stand up and speak in front of an audience because I know it's going to help the group team or the, this is going to be good for the larger collective. And so it's, it can almost be a, there's a lot of interesting research on this too in Ohio state professor studied young women who were applying for jobs and found that when they could get their minds off of themselves and how they were inevitably going to fail immediately when they started, which was, of course, all what they thought, and think, today, am I going to do what this team wants me to do? Or how am I going to help Bob finish X? And so if, if there's any way to think about, look, you know, getting back to a chance, sending this email, trying a job I don't feel fully comfortable doing, is actually going to help 
some, you know, whether it's my family, this, that, something larger than yourself to get the spotlight off of yourself. Or literally, when you're in a moment you find particularly risky, again, think about how what you're doing is benefiting other people and start to get that experience that you need to start the confidence building process. You know, this is so true. If you think about uh, um, people who are, especially in caregiving roles, when they're working on behalf of someone else to help enable them in some way and how adept they are at it when they're working on behalf of someone else, yet when they try to apply that to themselves, they don't feel the same way. So I love this piece of advice to sort of reframe it and think about it as if you're helping someone else. Yeah, and it might it might be the team. It might be sort of understanding, actually, I'm going to really help that enterprise, right? It's not about furthering my career. Right. Yes. Excellent way to, to rethink that. So, Claire, we are running out of time, unfortunately, but I do want to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we've already talked about today? I think the best advice is learn to live with risk. Learn to live with that feeling in your gut that I'm not always comfortable and I'm not always meant to be comfortable. And that's a good place to be. It, I think it's especially for women to do, but it's hard for human beings to do. We love our comfort zones, but if you say, I can thrive when I'm a little bit uncertain and I'm a little scared of what's going to happen. Um, in that place is is really thrilling. And, and there's so many more possibilities for us there. Excellent. And Claire, how can our listeners find out more about your work? Uh, theconfidencecode.com. And it has some confidence quizzes, our work, our work on girls links to that. And can you just um, say that one more time, the website name? The website is theconfidencecode.com. Excellent. Thank you. Claire, thank you for joining us today. Carol, it's been my pleasure. It's really so exciting to see what you've built. Yes. Well, we love everything that you're doing and learning from you all the time. So thanks again. Thank you. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.